Hello, my name is Daryl Corpening, and I'm here to teach the third in a series of lessons on prayer. Uh, your book looks like this, prayer, okay? So this is the third lesson intended for June 26th, Sunday, June 26th. And uh, so let's jump right in and let's read the primary text from the lesson today. It comes from Acts chapter 20, chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47. And I'm reading straight from your uh, book. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who need, had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, so very uplifting verse here. And the first question that comes to my mind and may come to yours is, so what does this have to do with prayer? It mentions when prayer in here one time, it says, so the first century church was engaged in prayer. We're not surprised to see that, are we? And it really doesn't tell us anything else about prayer, like how we should pray, when we should pray, anything else like that. It just says, hey, the first century church was praying. So uh, uh, it's my job today to explain to you why, what this is doing in a book, a tomb, talking to us about prayer. And I think the easiest and best way to do that is to read the verses leading up to this. Let's see exactly what was going on before the verses that we've read in your lesson today. And in uh, so in Acts 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come. Now, if you remember, the day of Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. It was the, the, the first fruits of the harvest. It, it was supposedly when the law had been given to Israel to Moses, I suspect, suspect. and it, it caused a great deal of people to gather in the larger cities to celebrate Pentecost, to pilgrim to wherever the largest city was. This was, and these were mainly Jews we're talking about here. No, mainly to it. It was mainly, it was Jews. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place because they were celebrating. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's verses one through four of chapter two. Now, this day, this particular day of Pentecost was only 10 days after Jesus had ascended from the death, burial, and resurrection. So this was a big deal. And Jesus had promised in the Old Testament that he would send the Spirit to them. And Jesus had promised them that he would promise the apostles that he would send the Spirit. And so they were waiting for the Spirit to occur. They didn't know whether it was going to be three days, seven days. Turned out it was 10 days. It might have been a 10 years. Who knows? But that was, that was how Jesus acted. <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit descended upon them as Jesus had promised, not only through history, through the Old Testament, but recently when they had seen him, he had promised that he would send the Spirit. 
And so the Spirit descended upon them. And what did they do? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, all of them. And some began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven because it was Pentecost. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, are all of those who are speaking Galileans? Now this is sort of a, a smack in the face because the Galileans were known to be poor speakers, not so intelligent, blah, blah, blah. So that was sort of a snide comment that they've made here. Then, I'm now reading from chapter 8, from verse 8, I'm sorry. Then how it is that each of us hears them in our native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, I'm sorry, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, <clears throat> Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of, Israel, of, of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own times. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So I'm going to jump off and go on a rabbit trail here first. And, and that is, you know, the Spirit descended upon all the Christians that were believers. And some of them spoke in tongues. Why? Because that was what was needed for the people that were there to have an understanding of the word. The apostles and so forth. And we're going to see later, they were sticking around because they wanted to hear the apostles preaching and so forth and their doctrines and other things. In my experience, when I read in the Bible about the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, the gift that Jesus gives each Christian is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if we allow them to do that. But the gifts of the Spirit can include a lot of things, but one that seems to stand out and be talked about a lot is this speaking in tongues. Now, when I've heard people that were supposedly speaking in tongues, and I haven't had I heard a bunch, but I, and when I talk to other people, it's sort of gibberish. You can't understand it. That wasn't the case here. These people were speaking in tongues because they were tongues that were different in the language they usually spoke, they were, they were speaking in the correct language of the people who were listening to them. So there was a clear purpose for speaking in tongues. There was a clear purpose for the use of the Spirit. And every time I see the Spirit manifest itself in the, Old Test, in the New Testament, it is because they, it is accomplishing something for the word, for the church, for the work that they're doing. It's not so that people can be edified. It's not for entertainment. It's not for any of those reasons whatsoever. So that's why these people were doing this. And we say, we have a lot of people from a whole lot of different places. Now, you say, <clears throat> well, what were all these people doing in Jerusalem? They were there for, the Pente for Pentecost, and they were Jews. And they were there for Pentecost. And uh, so <clears throat> could they not speak to anybody else? Did they have a foreign language? Not necessarily. They probably could speak the language of the, the Jews in, in Israel. Uh, they could probably speak that language. But you know as well as I 
that when you're hearing a different language, it's often difficult to understand the tone of the other person, uh, the passion of the other person, sarcasm, if sarcasm is brought up, the deep, specific understanding of what they're talking about is not there. I'm not a, a linguist in any way, but I do understand Spanish a little bit, and I can read Spanish. I really can't speak Spanish anymore. But the bottom line is, I'm an English speaker, so I even if even though I know some Spanish, I have trouble understanding the nuances and the clarity that the other person is trying to deliver when I hear them speak in Spanish uh, because I do not know the language that well. If you go to a, a present-day place <clears throat> that is very international, for instance, let's pick Amsterdam in the Netherlands. If you go to Amsterdam, and I've been to Amsterdam several, and that's the reason I use this as an example, I've been to Amsterdam several times. And in Amsterdam, if you speak German or French or Dutch or English, you're going to be easily understood by a whole lot of people. Not everybody, but there's going to be enough people around so that you can find your way around, you can order something from a restaurant and so forth. I think the same thing was true here in Jerusalem. Uh, and But these people hearing the word, hearing the teaching in their own language was very important. Okay, so I'm gonna quit running that rabbit. So <clears throat> what happens next? So Peter stands up and I'm not gonna read all this. Peter stands up and gives a nice little speech and he talks about Joel and how Joel had predicted the coming of the, the Spirit of God to Christians. And he does, he talks about all kinds of things. Uh, Peter is very eloquent. <coughs> and uh, when the people heard all this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is verse 37, 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift, gift of the Holy Spirit, just like all these other Christians have, have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to speak in tongues or anything like that. <coughs> the promise is for you and your children, and for all, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. <coughs> with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that very day. 3,000. Now, the, and then we get the verses, then we start on verse 42, which I read to you earlier, and I'm going to read again. Uh, 42 is the, is the verse that's in the Bible today. So you see what happened before this paragraph that we have in our lesson today and the title in my Bible anyway and of course the titles were stuck in there by somebody after the fact not by the people who wrote it but the title is the fellowship of the believers and they were fellowshipping together because this big deal had happened actually there had been two huge deals that happened Jesus had died for their sins and death burial and resurrection 10, years, 10 days ago and now the spirit that Jesus had promised had come upon the people and they were just enamored with the whole thing. And uh, so and, and so it says now in these new verses, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. That's the first thing to fellowship. And then my verse had in, in several different 
translations as after fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, almost like saying fellowship, which included the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with all many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and joined the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. They already just added in one day 3,000 people. And now he was adding to the, their, their number daily. Now, I'm not sure how they know this, but some of the, the Bible scholars say that at that time, the church in Jerusalem probably had about 120 members. But even if we say they had 500 members, 3,000 new people coming on board and more people every day is a big deal. Can you just think of the chaos that that's going to create? Here at Central Baptist Church, let's say we have 500 people. If we had a thousand people to send upon us, we couldn't handle it. And uh, and in that day, there wasn't. I mean, these people, many of these people, not all of them, but many of these people were traveling, and there weren't a whole bunch of holiday inns lined up for them to stay in. They stayed in other people's homes and stuff like that. And uh, many of them were just enamored with what they had seen, not only in the coming of the Holy Spirit, but wanting to learn from the apostles. Now and and they couldn't, you know, in this day and time, we'd probably hand out Gideon Bibles and things like that. But this was about 1,600 years before Gutenberg had even been born. So they didn't have any print to pass to them. Information about what Jesus had said and, and even the Old Testament were few and far between. And they had to go to the temple to get that information. So it wasn't easy. We don't realize how valuable or how how easy we have it. We can look at three or four different Bible translations, some of them even strange. We can look at commentary for preparation for the Sunday school lesson. I, I looked online at the commentary about these verses and, uh, and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of good information there. We have ministers who have been trained at seminary. We even have other members of our congregation who are experts in many of these things, including the original language that the Bible was written in so that they can help us translate it and so forth and understand it better. So we don't realize how, how easy we have it and how difficult it was for them in that day and time. And so you say, it's, it's amazing. These 3,000 people come and they, they get all excited about this and they're sticking around and somebody's got to take care of them. Uh, they, they can't, they, they've got problems that they've got to take care of, but we've seen this before. Remember that hundreds and hundreds of people would go out in the wilderness and listen to John the Baptist preach because it was something they wanted to hear. And he, he had a message that rung a bell for them. And, uh, so this is not the first time we've seen this sort of thing. Now, a lot of people in these verses that we're reading now, uh, they, they, they look at this and say, well, the first century church was a socialistic kind of situation. That's really not what it says here. If, if it was socialism, it was what I would call bottom-up socialism versus top-down socialism. Because it says they sold property, their property, 
and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Need, not want, but need. It wasn't like the government was taking their all the assets and then doling them out on an even basis to everybody. They used it as they needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. Now, another question is, breaking bread, were they taking of the Lord's Supper or were they just eating a meal? A lot of people, you can find people that say both sides of this issue. My, my sense is that they were probably doing both. They probably on a daily basis weren't doing the Lord's Supper, but on a daily basis, they were probably getting together and eating a meal. Uh, and uh, this was a place where they could fellowship and they could listen to the apostles and the apostles teaching. And uh, just as Peter had stood up and given them a sermon, they were, they were eager to hear what any of them had to say because that was their only source of information. <clears throat> they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to the number daily, in addition to the 3,000, I'm sticking that in, daily who were being saved. So this is a great time in the church. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the, the investing of the Holy Spirit in Christians, um, the uh, uh, enthusiasm and, and so forth. And you can just imagine if you project this forward, that a lot of these people from different areas went back and probably started churches and spread the word. And this was a, this was a great time. But the important thing is these verses are not necessarily typical now, I think many of the things they're doing here are great, but it's not necessarily typical of the other church. This, this group of people in Jerusalem were attempting to deal with the situation that was thrown in front of them. 3,000 new people in the church when their church only had 120, or let's say it's 500. They still had way too many people to deal with. And, and so this was a very special situation. And you can see the Fellowship, the giving nature, the sharing that was going on. It was fantastic. Uh, so let's go back to the point of the lesson today. And it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. It was the only place they could get the apostles teaching. And to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. So in this special time, when something extant, amazing had happened, the Holy Spirit came and was invested in all the Christians that, that believed. So during this special time, they, they thought the most important things were teaching and prayer and fellowship. So we've got to understand how important prayer was in their life. Now, what kind of prayer are we talking about here? Well, in my opinion, we were talking about, we're talking here, and I don't know that I necessarily can take the scripture and say that I proved this, but I think we're talking about three kinds of prayer. One is public prayer as a, at, in a leadership position. That's like one of our ministers or one of the deacons or so forth gets up and leads the congregation in prayer. Secondly, there's public personal prayer. That's like in our Sunday school when we pray for those who are sick and needy and, and having difficulties and have issues in their lives and so forth. So this is a public prayer, but it's for, more personal than a, than a leadership kind of prayer. And then the third kind of prayer, which is usually what we think of when we talk about prayer, is individual 
one-on-one -on -one prayer, except it's not totally one-on-one, -on -one. it's between us and God, but Jesus is our intercessor and he's given us the Holy Spirit also. So we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us talk to God. And God tells us that he wants us to talk to him. So I think the important part of this lesson is that in the early church, when they could have said a whole lot of things that they were doing, one of the important things that they did was prayer. And I might also point out that <clears throat> in listening to the personal prayer of the people who had needs, who had desires that, that, that needed to be filled and so forth, some of these Christians became helped as servants of God to become the answer to prayers because they found out that people had need, and so they sold their property and their possessions to give to people who had a need. Not, not a want, but a need. And so that's why prayer is important. Public prayer is important. Per personal prayer in public is important. And our private prayers are very important. And as a matter of fact, prayer is a gift from God, just like our Bible is a gift from God. Uh, salvation is the greatest gift from God. So hopefully we see now why the person who put this tomb of study together uh, concerning prayer decided it was important to point this out, even though the word prayer is only in there one time. And that is because these early Christians thought prayer, they were devoted to prayer. That's what the title of our lesson is today, devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer when they could have been doing other things, but they were devoted to fair prayer because they thought prayer was a part of fellowship and <clears throat> they thought it was very important. And the Holy Spirit probably led them to think that prayer was very important. So uh, even though this lesson doesn't really say much about prayer other than they were doing it, and we're really not surprised at that, it says a lot to us about the importance of prayer the importance that God puts on prayer, the importance that the apostles put on prayer, the importance that the early church put on prayer. So we should put the same emphasis on prayer, both public prayer and private prayer that they did. So that's my lesson for today. I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, since we had a lesson on prayer, I should close in prayer, and I will do so. Our Father, help us to know how to pray to you. Help us to know how to uh, say the right thing. How, help us to be servants of yours so that we can help as a servant of yours to answer some people's prayer and be a small piece of the solution for some people. Bless our lives as we try to lead them for you. Uh, bless our church that it may grow and prosper. Uh, bless, our, bless our church that we may know if we have an opportunity similar that they had on this day of Pentecost, that we would know how to deal with it also. Bless our lives this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to the uh, Sunday School lesson today. I hope you got something from it.